Welcome to The Prism Effect, a podcast with me, Larry Knoll, lead pastor of The Light in Kent. Just as prisms break light up into its spectral colors, I hope to help you discover the scripture's meaning for your life. We've been talking the last few weeks about the ghosts of Christmas past. Some people say, well, I don't believe in ghosts. Well, you should. Because we believe in the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God. But I also believe there are things that follow us around, much like Dickens showed us in A Christmas Carol. Memories that are uninvited guests to our celebration. And they continue to be with us even, thank you, even when we don't want them, even when they're not invited to our festivities. They seem to show up. And we've talked about how this time of the year can be a lot of fun, joyous, but it also can be a big downer for people. It can be the worst time of the year. And a lot of people just don't understand that until you find yourself in that place. And there's people in between, by the way. There's people in between. They love this time of the year, but there's some things that kind of put an edge on it for them and take some of the joy and, and fun out of it. So we've been talking about the ghost of Christmas past as a part of our Advent And we're talking about some of the things from the past that have followed us, things that have haunted us and paralyzed us from living the life that God would really want us to live. So today's message, we're going to be speaking to some of you in a way that could really provide some internal healing and eternal healing, hopefully, when it comes to your identity. Because what you think about yourself is very important. Did you know that? What you think about yourself is very, very important. Uh, I don't know if we can show this slide or not. I gave it to our our media team very late in the game, so if not, that's fine. But I have a very special present on today. It's from a friend. Her name is Emmy or Emily, and uh, she works with Mary and I, and she was in our Bible study, and for whatever reason, she thought I sounded like Mr. Rogers when I talked, okay? I don't, I don't know. Maybe I do. And she bought me an official Mr. Rogers neighborhood sweater, which is what I have on today. Look, it's got the zipper and everything. And I love this. And I've been waiting for cold enough weather. Can you believe in Ohio I just said that? I've been waiting for cold enough weather to wear this red sweater. So I'm sure if you're watching today through our streaming um, you're getting an eyeful of red right now, okay? So don't adjust your screens, okay? This is like, you know, that old TV show. It's not a problem with your TV set. It's the sweater, okay? But I want to read a quote from Mr. Rogers. It says, As human beings, our job in life is to help people realize how rare and valuable each one of us really is. That each of us has something that no one else has or ever will have something inside that is unique to all time. It's our job to encourage each other to discover that uniqueness and to provide ways of developing its expression. Now, that's a a lot to be said right there, isn't it? That's not the kind of things we're used to hearing Mr. Rogers say. But he had a lot to say about life. There are, uh, if you, you know, there are just uh, volumes of things that he made observations about people's lives. So he was more than just a teacher of children on television, more than just a puppeteer who did quirky little voices. He was more than, you know, the man who came on and sang It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood and made us all smile. But this man was a follower of Christ, and he believed in us having an identity that aligns with Jesus Christ and his word, and that we should encourage one another in finding that identity. And that's what I'm here to do today. It's not to 
talk bad about anybody. It's not to make anybody feel bad today, but it's to encourage you to find your identity. And so today we're talking about breaking or overcoming labels that bind. The labels that we often wrongly believe about ourselves. Labels that maybe we put on ourselves or maybe other people have put on us. So we have, there are what I consider power words. And before I go on, I want to give credit for the outline on this and the idea of this whole series to Craig Groeschel. And um, he's a wonderful pastor and uh, a developer of software and everything else, uh, online church software and the Bible software that many of you use on your phones. And so uh, he provides all kinds of wonderful resources and things. And I want to say thank you to him and his church for providing this at no cost to us. So there are some power words that are positive, that are labels. Okay. Creative. Isn't that a good word? If somebody says, boy, you're really creative. Or, you know, there are words that like that that motivate us. There are words that encourage us. There are words that shape us in positive ways, but there's also words that people use about us to describe us that hurt us. They wound us. They discourage us. And in some places, they destroy us. And that's really unfortunate that that happens. And the old saying, how many have heard Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Have you heard it? That's the most ridiculous saying you'll ever hear in your life. That's the biggest non-truth. That's fake news, everybody. But we all said that. Because names can and do hurt us. That's the labels I'm talking about. Things that we put on ourselves or others put on us. The Bible even talks about that in Proverbs 18.21 talks about how powerful words are. It says the, pow- the tongue has the power of life and death. See, you can use power words to bring life to people, and you can also bring, use power words to bring death to people, to just kill their dreams, to kill their future, if they apply those to their own lives. So words have the power to create, words have the power to heal, words have the power to shape, words have the power to motivate, but words also can hurt, wound, discourage, and destroy. And I don't know about you, but if you hear something over and over about yourself, don't you tend to start believing it? If enough people tell you over and over, or the right people tell you over and over, the people that have influence in your life, the people that are in authority over you, parents, bosses, teachers, friends, brothers and sisters, you start to believe it. You know, my mom, I can't tell you how long she has said this, and she'll say it today before church is over again. She tells me every week, and she's told me like forever, Mom, She has said, your grandmother always said, there's something special about Larry. Okay, now I have no idea what special means, but it made me feel good that there was always going to be hope for me, Mom, even when I was not doing well, even when I couldn't hardly find my way, even when I was discouraged, you imprinted on me that Grandma thought there was something she loved. She would say, now, I'm sorry to say to all the grandkids of Mamie West, if you're watching, mom would say she loved all of her grandkids, but she said there was something special. So, ta-da, here I am, okay? (laughs) Deal with me. How different my life would be, though, if my mom would have said, your grandmother said, you'll never amount to a hill of beans. He's a nothing. He's a dud. Margaret, stupid, loser, pathetic. These are words that people hear. Do you know that? They don't all get moms like I have who are building you up. Sadly, some struggle in the present because of labels that are picked up in the past. Show them that if you have that. 
Some struggle in the present because of labels that are picked up in the past. Sometimes for a lifetime, we struggle well into adulthood. For decades, people will struggle because of what's happened in the past. Something, maybe somebody said something about you and made you feel less, and it shaped your identity. I don't know. Maybe you did something, and you can't shake it. You can't shake the guilt, you can't shake the regret, and you have forever connected your identity with it. You know, Sophia told me today that I always wondered why on Facebook it said Sophia Halo, because that is not her name, okay? That is not her last name. But she said her sister gave her that name, an honorary name, okay? And if you know Sophia, you know that's pretty true. You know, from what I can see, she wears a halo. She's one of those little angels that just, you know, loves on people and brings happiness and laugh. You can, when she comes around, you're going to laugh. You're going to have a good time. Well, I believe part of it is people in Sophia's life have told her long and many times how wonderful she is. And Warren was just lucky enough to find her, okay? Maybe you heard something about you on the outside and you believe it on the inside now. You know, I remember I left a church and felt like a total failure when I left this church. I worked for a pretty pretty good-sized church in Ohio and when I left there, I'm telling you, I felt pretty low. I thought I was going to have a nervous breakdown. I honestly did. You know, I always wash my hair two times, all right, in the shower. I would wash my, I couldn't remember how many times I washed my hair. I probably washed it four or five times because I couldn't remember. I was just losing it. I'm serious. I mean, that was, that's one of my barometers if, I'm overloaded is, I can't remember how many times I washed my hair, okay? <laughs> now it should be easy to remember, okay? <laughs> you don't use that much. <laughs> but I remember hearing things that this pastor had said about me that maybe I should just leave and things that made me feel like an absolute failure. Things that other people then began to say, and I was beginning to doubt even my calling into the ministry. And I went to went to a place where I heard somebody talking to me about me. And I was in Florida, and we had a gospel singing group, and this guy came up, and he goes, you're Larry Knoll? And I go, yeah. And they were doing a concert at our church that night. He goes, either you have the pastor absolute bu- absolutely buffalo." And you're totally snowing him, or you're really something else. And I went, what? I couldn't believe somebody thought something good about me. And see, he built me up. It made me feel like I could do that. I could be good. I could be successful in what God had called me to do. I believe, I believe that saved my calling in the ministry. Maybe you've heard things been said or implied about you for whatever reason sometimes people instead of just asking you to leave where you're at to get out they don't want you anymore for whatever reason they just try to tear you down to where you don't want to be there anymore and that's a pretty bad trick it's i would just rather these bosses would come up to you and go you're getting paid too much and we can't afford it anymore (laughs) we like you but we got to make a move here for finances, and you got two weeks to find another job. I could deal with that. Or this just isn't working anymore. You're talented, you're good at what you do, but we don't need you anymore, or whatever the case may be. But when people just try to play games with you, and then they destroy you in the process, and you totally doubt yourself. Have you ever had that happen? Where people just do things like that. You see, people might say things like, you know, you. And you might feel this about yourself, that you're lazy, you're, you're insecure, 
or you're too sensitive or, you know, whatever. I mean, you might feel that you have a dysfunctional family, and that's a label that you all have put on yourself and laughed about it, but on the inside, you think it's true. We do have a dysfunctional family. It hurts sometimes. These people are ridiculous. And instead of loving one another, we cut each other down and do things that doesn't make much sense. Maybe people have said things like, you're hot-headed or you're annoying. I've had a lot of people tell me that. Or you're just too much. You know, you need to dial it down there, buddy. Well, I mean, whatever kind of thing that, that people say about you, there could be some truth to it. And you should listen to some of the criticisms that you might hear, because there could be some truth to these things. And you might have said or you might have done some things that give them reason to think this. But let me just tell you something. Whether you deserve that label or you don't, can I? I want to put this slide up. It says what's true about you now doesn't have to be true about you later. Can, can, can we hear that again? What's true and now, uh, about you now doesn't have to be true about you later. To me, that's hopeful because God's power is bigger than your past. All right. And his grace is stronger than any label that I put on myself or other people put on me. His grace is more powerful than that. And what's true about you now doesn't have to be true about you later. If you've internalized some kind of a negative label, here's what you do. You name it something different. Oh, that's simple. <laughs> but I'm going to show you. I'm going to talk, we're going to talk about that here. How many are familiar with the Hallmark, the greatest Hallmark movie ever in Genesis chapter 35? If they haven't made a Hallmark Christmas movie about this, they should. This is one of the greatest Hallmark stories you'll ever find, Genesis chapter 35, because it's a love story about Jacob, who met Rachel while he was at work. He was tending sheep. And he sees this beautiful, like his eyes went wah, 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 wah. He's tending sheep. He's thinking sheep. He's dirty. He smells like sheep. He's been out there, you know, sleeping, living out there, and he's taking care of business, and he sees this beautiful girl, and he goes crazy. It is love at first sight. And her name is Rachel. Oh, what a lovely name. And Rachel, the Bible says, the Bible says this, so I can say it, that she had a lovely figure. Okay? And she was beautiful. Now, I don't know what a lovely figure meant back then. I know when my grandmother was, you know, my grandmother Mamie, when she was young, a lovely figure was not the lovely figure you think of today. You know? You had to be built strong. You had to be big-boned to have a lovely figure back in the turn of the century, of the, of the 20th century. Because you had to do hard work. <laughs> so man was looking at a woman a little bit differently. It's like, she might be, you know, look like a model, but she ain't going to be able to carry the carpets out and beat them, okay? She's not going to be able to do much laundry, and she sure ain't going to be good in the garden, okay? Right. So we have a little story about that, but I'll spare you that one, Okay. She had this lovely figure, the Bible says, and she was beautiful. And then it says her sister Leah had, are you ready, weak eyes. Now they're talking about the figure and the, the beautifulness of Rachel. And then they go, oh, and she had a sister Leah and she had weak eyes. I love that one. <laughs> In other words, translated by today, she had a great personality. Right? Here's Rachel. Oh, and Leah. Yeah, she's got a great personality. Okay. And so he asks for Rachel's hand in marriage. And her father says, absolutely. I love you. You're a wonderful man. Well, welcome into the family. But you'll have to work for me for seven years before you get here. And he's like, no problem. Life is long. 
I'll do it. So for seven years, he works for her father, takes care of all his livestock and everything that he does. And at the end of the seven years, they have this big wedding. And they have their big wedding night. It's great. And in the morning, the sun comes up. He looks, and it's weak-eyed Leah. Dad did the old switcheroo. And he's like, he comes storming out of the tent. He goes, I got a bone to pick with you. And dad knew this was going to happen. And he's like, oh, what's the matter? You got my daughter. And he goes, no, I got the wrong one. I got the wrong one. And he goes, oh, simple mistake. We can fix it. Seven more years and you can have Rachel. And he loved her so much that he worked seven more years to get Rachel. And they finally got married, okay? But here's the problem. They waited all this time and they can't conceive. They can't have a baby. Everybody. People just walk by each other and they get pregnant in this family. I mean, there's children everywhere. And they're trying, trying, trying. They can't get pregnant. They can't conceive. But finally they do. Finally they have a child. And then they're like, well, that worked. Let's do it again. So they want another, but it, the Bible says it didn't go well. Let's go to Genesis 35, 16 through 18. It would be better if I just read this instead of getting into trouble. And it says, Then they moved on from Bethel, and while they were still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth and had a great difficulty. And as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, Don't despair, for you have another son. Excuse me. Can we stop here? That's kind of weird. It's like, ah, you got you got another son? This one doesn't <laughs> I don't know why that's in there. What are they trying to say something about this midwife? Is like, ah, I do babies all the time. No problem. And she says that. And verse 18 says, And as she breathed her last, Rachel is dying. She named her son Ben Ani, but his father named him. Benjamin. Well, a little disagreement here on her deathbed. She wants to name him one thing, and Dad wants to name him another. See, Rachel named her son one thing, Ben-Ani, and Jacob named the son something else, Benjamin. And this is an example of when you should name something or someone something different. This is when you need to change names. We have a, our middle son, Michael, and his wife, Tricia, have named children some of the most, let me just say, thoughtful names, okay? Thoughtful names. That's the word I'll use right now. Okay, now we're used to them now, but at first we thought, have they lost their ever-loving minds? Because the first one came out, and they wouldn't tell anybody the name. It was like, what are you going to name? You know, we know we can't tell you. We're not telling you. And they were like, what's a big thing? It's a name. They wouldn't tell us, right? So then we met the baby and said, this is Echo. And I was like, no wonder you wouldn't tell me the name. I was like, Echo is not a name. It's a thing. You don't name a child Echo. I'm thinking this, you know, but I'm going, oh, it's a beautiful name. One of the great grandfather lies of the century. <laughs> Now, Echo, and then we had Finley, and now Oakland. But I'm going to tell you, these are not just fun names that they, you know, played Scrabble with and said, oh, that's good. <laughs> these names have meaning behind them. These names mean something to these parents. They felt strongly about each name. There are spiritual backgrounds to each of these names. Because they prayed about it. And as weird maybe as unusual. Now I've heard other children named Echo now. Which is weird. I was like I never thought I'd hear another Echo in my life. Oh, I meant a child named Echo. I got to tell you this generation is creative. I got to hand it to this generation right. You know John and Sue and Mary forget about it. Those are gone. You won't see those for another 30 years. 
I w- in fact, I went out on the Internet and I said, Weird Names for Children 2021. I put that in my search engine. Here's the boys. Lion. Number one, lion. Like roar. That kind of a lion, right? How about Os- Osiris? I think it's Osiris or Osiris, which is God of the underworld. Osiris? Osiris? God of the underworld. Is that a video game thing? How about Bodhi or Badai, B-O-D-H-I, which means enlightenment, or Manu, which means wise, or Garion, which is a city in Libya. This sounds like Star Wars names to me, if you ask me. If you just watch Star Wars, you're like, where do they come up with these names? They spell Bible names backwards, all kinds of things, you know. The girls, here's the number one, Luna, which means moon, right? Peridot, which is a gemstone. Did I say it right? Peridot? Period. Well, it's spelled peridot. Fawn, which we know is a deer. Tanith, which is serpent lady. Can I, now, just... Can I just say, I'm not going to, I would just have a little talk with my children if they named their daughter Serpent Lady. Serpent Lady, really? Asherah, she who walks by the sea, which I think is a goddess, Asherah. Anyhow, uh, Aurora is a big one, which we know is the northern lights, or it can mean the dawn. So we have a very creative generation going on right now. They're experimenting with all kinds of names. But in verse 18, let's go back to this. Verse 18, Rachel breathed her last breath, for she was dying, and she named her son Ben-Oni. But his father named him Benjamin. What's the big deal? Ben-Oni means Ben is son, and Oni is sorrow. Son of my sorrow. So she's dying. She knows she's dying. And she says, call him son of my sorrow. See, Rachel wasn't the only one grieving. Jacob, who is crazy about his wife, his best friend that he's losing. Unimaginable grief going on with him right then and there. He'd worked 14 years for this woman just to get her. And now he's losing. But when she wants to label their son, son of my sorrow, he's like, no. No. And Jacob took what was, and he named it something different. He took this sorrow, everybody, and they could have been reminded of Rachel's death every time they looked at this boy every time they saw him as a man, and they could have been reminded of that worst moment of Jacob's life. Son of my sorrow. Yeah. Listen, if you don't like the label you've been given, name it something different. (laughs) Let the Father in heaven take what the enemy has called you and name it something different. I don't know if I have a slide for this, but what was true in the moment would not be true forever. What was true in the moment. See, Jacob had this experience of renaming. He had done, this has been a part of his life. He had seen this before. If you go back a few chapters in Genesis to 32, he was called Jacob. What does Jacob mean? Deceiver. Deceiver. Can you imagine? Now, if you remember... He stole his brother's birthright by deceiving his father, right? Good name for him, all right? He fulfilled his destiny. He was named deceiver before he deceived. Of course, when he came out of his mother's womb, they said he was grabbing his brother's heel, you know, Esau's heel as he came out. He wrestled with God all night, though. He had this spiritual experience one night, and he wrestled with God all night, the Bible says, And he said, give me a blessing. I'm not going to let go of you until you give me a blessing. And if you go to verse 28 of chapter 32, here's what happens. Your name will no longer, now this is God, your name will no longer be Jacob, which means deceiver, but Israel, which means receptacle of God. 
Woo! I just went from deceiver to a vessel, a receptacle of God. Because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. God renamed Jacob. He'd seen this before and he saw the transformation in his life. And he's like, this is not going to happen to my own son. And he looked around then and he just he got into this renaming thing and he looked around and he's like, I'm going to rename this place. This place has got a new name. And it says in verse 30, so Jacob called the place where all this happened, Peniel, saying it is because I saw God's God face to face and yet my life was spared. Face to face with God. So every time he walked by there, every time anybody went by there, he said, that's where Jacob wrestled with God. That's where God renamed him. That's where a transformation took place in his life, a spiritual transformation. A grieving mom wants to call him son of my sorrows and a grieving father who has hope in God calls him Benjamin, son of of my right hand son now you got to know right hand was a place of honor right hand symbolized blessing and see what others called a curse i'm calling a blessing it's a curse to lose your wife it's a curse to see her die in childbirth it's a curse to have that memory follow you around but let me tell you what i'm going to call it a blessing because out of it came benjamin I will find the good. Max Lucado, Max Lucado says, and they can put it on the screen, he says, in God's hands, intended evil becomes eventual good. <laughs> There's another slide I want to show you. You don't get to choose what comes into your life, but you do get to choose what you call it. I've been through some stuff, and I choose to call it a blessing. At first, I thought, my life will never be the same. And now I say, my life has never been the same. <laughs> it may look like the son of my sorrow, but this situation, this thing that's happened to you, is the son of my right hand. I don't know, is there a label you don't like? Then call it something else. Something you've been through that just seems to be what people think of you as because of what you've done or what others called you or whatever. Call it something else. Look at it in perspective. You can do that now. And say, you know, if I had my druthers, I wish this hadn't happened. But because it happened, I'm glad it did because it transformed me. Christ used that circumstance to transform me and make me into what he wants to be. See, remember, God's power is bigger than your past. I mean, I was married for 28 years to somebody. And they decided to walk out of my life. And I ended up divorcing them. Didn't want to, but that's what they asked for. And then I met this amazing lady right here. And I got remarried one day. And you know, I went to this new church. I left the church we had met at. I went to a new church, a new city. And I really didn't want people to know my stuff. It's where I met Don and Nancy. I really didn't want people to know my stuff. Now, the staff knew my stuff, but I didn't want church people to know my stuff. I was afraid they would judge me. I, would I was afraid they would look at me as a failure. And I came to the realization that God could use us to do something that we call soft landings. It's not an official ministry, and you won't find it registered anywhere, but it's something that we do. And to this day, to this day, we order books, just enough light for the step I'm on. 
And we get calls from friends. We get calls from people that we know or we find out about them. And they're going through what we went through. See, Mary went through a similar thing in her life, her past, her marriage. And we found out that what God brought us through, we can help others get through what the same thing. Did you know that? And so instead of being a failure, we're just equipped for the moment. We're just equipped for the moment. We couldn't prevent what happened, not the best of our knowledge. We had no power to prevent that, to stop it from happening. So we can look at ourselves and be down about ourselves and say, hey, we're failures. We're ashamed of this. We wish it hadn't happened. But see, I can look at what other people are going through now, and I'm not fearful of their situation. If they would have come to me before all this happened, I'd have been like, I don't know what to say to them. My goodness. And now it's just so easy because I've been through that. I walked through that. And I say, I know. I know. I know what you're going through. God's God has power to comfort, guide, protect, provide through anything that you're going through. So I used to call it a failure. I'm responsible. And now I call it a triumph. I call it a victory. Because without his help, without him being there, and doing some incredible things in my life and then our lives wouldn't be here today. God uses everything in our lives to make us like Jesus and to bring him glory through the things that we've been through. So we need to get off of it and like, well, this thing happened and that's me. That's the rest of my life. You know, I couldn't get a job as a fully employed person. I could not get a full-time, good-paying job a few years back. And I called myself unemployed. I was unemployed. I was one of the unemployed people. <laughs> I was in that numbers of thousands of people. That was that one right there in that big number. But yet, I was driving a school bus. I was thinking about this yesterday. I had my school bus shirt on. Barbered in transportation. And I was driving a school bus, but I was still calling myself unemployed. And one day God said to me in my mind, this is your ministry here. Quit waiting for ministry. You can minister right here. Because this is where I have you. So you need to just look at it differently. And when I accepted that, opportunities to minister to individual people began to be, they were there already. Did you know that? They didn't just show up. I quit looking beyond my circumstance into where I was at and saying, oh, so this is my mission field right now, God. So I was no longer unemployed. I was employed and I was ministering in my employments. I had full-time ministry again, thanks to God, getting this straight in my mind. I was no longer an unemployed pastor, Warren. I was a fully employed pastor. I just drive school bus to get paid money, that's all. You know, when we started this church, I changed my thinking from unemployed to full-time bivocational pastor. In my mind... I, don't have, I didn't have a card. I didn't have a website. But I began to think of myself differently. I'm driving school bus. But we're going to start this church. And it's going to require me to work and also to be full-time ministry. Name it something else. That negative thing, give it a different name because it's not a liability to God Listen, I can now empathize with those who are struggling with their job situation. And that's one of the blessings that came out. I used to go, I don't understand why people can't work. I don't understand it. There's jobs. Just go get a job. I found out how sometimes incredibly impossible that is. For whatever reason. 
I was rejected by church planning organizations. I was rejected by a denomination. When we said we want to start a church in Kent, they said, well, there's enough churches in Kent already. I'm going to tell you, I felt like the biggest reject when that happened to me. And God just spoke to us and said, I don't want you to go through them. They're good, but you are not going to go through that denomination and you are not going to go through that church planning organization. So I changed my name from reject to church planner. People say, what are you doing? We're planting a church. I'm a church planner. I bought books about church planning. I just saw, I quit waiting on people to make it happen for me. I said, God, if this is what you called me to do and these people can't see it, then let's just go do it. And we'll see what happens. God says, you're a church planner. (laughs) Name it something else. Now I've experienced something, you see, by being a church planner. I've experienced that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. My daddy, direct, no Amazon, no eBay ordering, okay? No off the internet, no through the church board, nothing. It was we saw God just drop things into our lap. Opportunities, equipment, money, you name it. God did it for us. So if you don't like what you've been called, name it something different. I want to tell you something. You're not undependable. You're not a cheater. You're not a loser. You're not a failure. You are forgiven. You're transformed. You're made new. You're healed. You're loved. You're an overcomer. You are a blood-bought child of God. People say, I'm going through a tough season in my life. Stop that. No. This is not a tough season of your life. This is boot camp. This is when God's transforming you and conforming you into the image of his son. It's hard for a reason. I feel so alone right now. I'm just a loner. No, stop that. This is a time when you and Jesus can draw close to one another. You got no interference. It's just you and him. What an opportunity. You don't have to worry about other people. I'm such a failure. Stop that. You're not a failure. You're just learning how not to do something. You got to mess up enough times to figure out the right way to do it. Believe me, I know. You don't get to choose what comes into your life, but you do get to choose what you call it. Okay? Does this help to anybody today? Father... We just come to you, we bow our hearts, we bow our spirit to you, Lord. I pray that you would bring healing to people today who have dealt with labels, that they would be broken. Break those labels that so many of us have had that have put us into bondage, God. From time to time, this has happened to me. Lord, I know others struggle with the same thing. I don't know. Maybe somebody is watching, maybe somebody here that you're connected with some outward label to your inward identity. I want you to know by faith, you can take that before Jesus right now. By faith. You can say, Jesus, help me to call it something else. Help me to see what you see. Help me to quit calling myself that. Help me to quit calling my situation this. I don't want to be what somebody else says. I don't want to be the result of the brokenness of my past. I want to be like Benjamin, who went from son of my sorrow to the son of my right hand. I want to be who you say that I am and transform me. By your grace, I ask in Jesus' name. If that's your prayer today, raise your hand. Say, that's my prayer. I want to take something and rename it in my life. I want to take a label. I want to take a circumstance and I want to rename it. And you may be watching. You may be watching uh, now or later. 
I want you to raise your hand wherever you're at. If you're in a coffee shop, raise your finger. I don't care. Whatever you got to do. Right now, I want you to turn that label over to God and ask Him to show you the other side of that thing. To turn it from a negative to a positive label in your life. God does not... Listen, can I tell you something? Satan is a liar. And that's one of his jobs is to tell you who you are to keep you from growing in Christ to becoming all that God wants you to be. He comes to rob, steal, and destroy. And God comes to bring life abundantly. Father, I pray for healing work now for those who have raised their hand. God, I pray that you would take the negative label, Lord, and that they would call it something else. God, take whatever the enemy meant for evil and turn it for good. Lord, that they would be able to see themselves as you see them, Lord. That we would never call ourselves something that is opposite to your image of us. Renew our minds and conform us to your image. I pray, God, help us to call it as you see it. Because... You are the source of, the tr- of truth, of all truth, and Satan is a liar. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you give the Lord praise today? Because some people have flipped the script. Somebody has flipped the script here. Now, while we're still streaming, I want to just say this. And for anybody here, do you need God's grace? Have you internalized the lies of the enemy a long time? Are you ready for a really great name, a new name? The Bible says, by faith, when you call on Jesus, your sins will be forgiven. (laughs) And you'll be made completely new, completely new. We're not talking about a makeover. I'm talking about new from the inside out, a total rebuild. If you're ready to do that, I want you to raise your hand again. I don't care where you are, raise your hand, lift a finger, whatever it is, and say, I'm ready for this. I need God in my life. I need his grace in my life. If you have your hand raised, I want you to pray a prayer with me. If you would repeat this, Heavenly Father, I turn to you. I ask Jesus to forgive me, to make me new. I trust you, Jesus, to save me from all of my sins to fill me with your spirit so I could live for you for new life. I give you mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's say congratulations to anybody. I don't know who it might be, but thank you. Thank you. And congratulations, new life. And I want to encourage you, if you prayed that prayer today, whether you're in this building, if you're in this building and you prayed that prayer maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, please talk to one of us. We'll resource you. We'll help you. If you are watching through YouTube or Facebook, we're so glad that you joined us at The Light in Kent. Uh, Our website, thelightinkent.com. You can go there and you can leave a message We'll get back with you. You can ask a question. You can source us. We would love to resource you. If you have a prayer request, leave a prayer request there. We would love to pray with you. And if you're ever in the Kent area, which is a wonderful place to be, by the way, uh, on on a Sunday or a Saturday, uh, and you can stay overnight till Sunday. On Sundays, we have our service here at 1045. And um, we'd love to meet you and have you here in person with us. Wouldn't we, church? Amen. All right. Thank you so much. God bless you. Isn't God wonderful? Let's sing that song that you're playing. Let's play. Let's sing that song. There is power in the name of Jesus. Sing it, sing it. There is power in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's worship him. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Sing that again. 
Every chain, break every chain to break every chain to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. One more time to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Thank you, Lord, for your wonder working power. That old song, There is power in the blood of Jesus and we believe that God we are all followers of you we trust you we believe in your power to lift us from these things God that hold us in bondage sometimes we just look at things that are like bad habits sometimes we just look at things like maybe drugs alcohol pornography, different things that can put us in bondage. And those are very serious things, but there's also these invisible things. And God, thank you that things like labels, things like unforgiveness, Lord, all these things that can affect us in, in eternally, internally, God, can also affect us eternally. So God, you've given us release we give you thanks today. I pray that no one leaves this place without settling this. God, Holy Spirit, go with us today and minister to our hearts and our families. I pray for our Christmas Eve service, God, that you will draw people from the north, the south, the east, and the west to this place for this beautiful service. And may you be glorified this week through that. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Man. Thank you for joining us today. The original version of this message can be found on our website at thelightingkent.com. For more information, you can also reach out to us at info at thelightingkent.com or message us on Facebook.